Let's Connect podcast series is brought to you by Talent Talks and Life Online. Welcome. I'm Karen Cole, Editor-in-Chief of Talent Talks and Life Online. Welcome, everyone. In today's hybrid world of work, learning and development is more important than ever. Linda van der Loo, an executive partner for learning innovation at Blue Pebble Consulting and Edcast Africa, and I are going to be discussing what learning and development practitioners need to know to stay ahead of the curve. Tune in and get all the information you need to stay on top of your game. So welcome, Linda. Hello, Karen. How are you? Thank you for having me on the show. Great to have you speaking with us again. Now, Linda, we've recorded with you before specifically focused on the Learning Health Index, but for those listeners tuning in for the first time, give us a little bit of of insight about your work specifically in learning and development, and then also some of the key findings from the Learning Health Index. Yeah, I've been in learning all my life. I started as a teacher, and my last student was head of learning at a large financial organization in Africa. And I've always, I'm passionate about learning, I'm passionate about people development, but at the same time, I'm particularly interested in how we enable learning through technology. And with partnering with EdCast, we, they delivered this Learning Health Index report or research report in India. And we thought this would be something really good to do in Africa. And it's actually played out quite nicely. We've got a lot of insights. We had 56 clients across Africa and Mauritius responding. And essentially really looking at the health of learning in organizations where they benchmark that against themselves. It's got eight components to the report, but one of the key components was, there were two key components. One was learning and development competence and how they rated themselves. And the other was how they believed the tools and technology in their organization were enabling their learning. And both of those didn't exactly come out shining stars in the research, big gaps in tools and technology, which is obvious given we went into lockdown with COVID, et cetera. And then L&D competence really, if you ask people if they think they're future focused or future oriented from an L&D perspective, a lot of them were saying, no, they're not, but they also didn't know what that was. The report was insightful. And a lot of the work that I'm doing at the moment is looking at this report with clients and seeing where their focus areas are based on their strategy to really get learning and development, what I would say, humming and singing in their organization and making an impact. So that's pretty much in a nutshell what I've been doing for the last two and a half years since lockdown and thoroughly enjoying it. Fantastic. And tell me, so that was the Learning Health Index was done during the pandemic. Now that we've emerged and we see that businesses is not going back to business as usual, that we are stepping into (laughs) this hybrid organization. How has that shifted? What is the role that L&D will play in this hybrid organization? What are some of the skills or functions that we will continue to play as L&D practitioners? Yeah, so yes, it was done. It was done early stage of COVID in India, but in South Africa, we did it deep into lockdown. The timing, I think the timing is right to look at where the potential shifts were, because what we didn't know at the time was that we're never going to go back to work like we, I say never, but I'm sure not certainly in our lifetime. 
go back to work as we knew it before the COVID, before the COVID lockdown. Essentially, some of the challenges, I, my, my sense is that people are still grappling with classroom, online, digital, the classic blend that we used to do a long time ago. But I also get a sense that during the pandemic, as L&D practitioners, we threw a lot of digital content at our learners in the hope that they would go through it and learn and become relevant and reskill themselves. And my sense is coming out of the pandemic, we're going to need to move less, less, we're going to need to move away from just being digital, obviously, but more importantly, making sure that we're giving people an experience. So connecting with the individual, connecting them with mentors, with coaches, with teachers, a more immersive kind of experience in our learning. And in the hybrid world, when they are back in the office, that experience cannot be, you know, staring at a computer or staring at a death by PowerPoint presentation in a classroom. It's certainly going to have to be a lot more engaging, a lot more socially connected to the individual in order to really encourage them to learn. I hope that kind of answers the question because it's quite a broad question and Absolutely. there are lots of answers and there are lots of organisations doing things very differently. I think there is a challenge and you're right, I don't think we have that clear answer yet. But we're certainly mm. in that experimental phase and if I look at some of the research and the rates, so we know there is a, a definite kind of want to learn from individuals because we see that in the uptake uh, rates of people jumping onto various learning platforms and, and these are not only ones within organizations yeah. but if you look at the rise of them we have a very high take on rate the problem is yeah. that we have an even higher drop off rate so somewhere in between if people are keen they're wanting to get involved they're wanting to start but we just don't seem to have developed that muscle yet to to maintain over a long period of time. And I think that's what we're needing to figure out is it's it's a little bit dangerous given where we are and this push to self-directed learning and this yeah. need for people to step up and really develop themselves that we just are not seeing those retention rates. So something is going on and obviously we know it's time is a big factor. So we're all enthusiastic in the beginning, but life happens in between. And mm. perhaps we just haven't developed that discipline muscle yet as adult learners to sit through the tough part. We've got so much else competing for our attention all the time that to, we need to be very deliberate around learning as a practice, learning as an everyday practice or learning in the flow of work practice, making sure that we're learning and not just taking in information, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And I think in the world, no, I think in the world where I'm consulting and I consult across quite a wide range of sectors, so financial services, telco, and then in retail. And there's some common themes that come out all the time that I talk to the L&D folks about. The first one is relevancy. And relevancy is, please give people content that's relevant to their world of work now or relevant to their world of work in six months' time. And make sure that you clear on what that learner needs to do. I talk about walk two days in the shoes of your learner. The other thing that we're starting to see, certainly here, Karen, is this concept of reskilling, upskilling, and multi-skilling. There's lots of variations to it, but the reality is it's connected back to relevancy. So through the digital process, through digital transformation, 
Lots of roles are shifting and changing. And L&D's duty is to provide in what I call a GPS or like a ways mechanism to guide people through that relevancy journey, either to reskill themselves, to upskill themselves or to multi-skill themselves. And that I think is the place that learning, if I look at the research that we did and we look at the real, one of the big downfalls that L&D said is they're not sure they're future orientated. My sense is if you're providing relevant content or you're providing relevancy to your learners or your employees, if you're providing a GPS that gives them the reskilling, the upskilling and the multi-skilling, and at the end of it, they get some kind of certification, be it a big certification, be it a micro certification, that really enables them to continue working. You're doing your job as L&D. And that doesn't mean I've got to think about the hybrid world. It means I've got to think about the learner and the environment might be hybrid. And when you're in the hybrid space, you do things differently. And I think that's where the real, what am I saying here? The real tipping point is going to be if the L&D folks can honestly orientate them into that space. And we've seen that with some clients. I've got a client that has got, on a daily basis, eight and a half thousand people coming back onto their platform to learn. And it's material as a number because it's significantly more than what it was three years ago. I hope I'm answering your question, but at the same time, I hope I'm giving people some advice on what, where I think they can start mm. and certainly what I think they can start doing and what they can continue doing in order to shift into the hybrid world and the hybrid organisation, but also in order to make L&D folks more relevant. More relevant. Absolutely. And just as you're speaking, I think from an L&D perspective, we should not confuse the need for immediacy and relevancy with the need to micro-size learning. Because... I see that playing out quite often in, in organizations, and I understand the concept of chunking and trying to bite-size learning components for people to, to be able to consume in short periods of time. But I think we've jumped too far onto that bandwagon, and it really is compromising the quality of learning that we're putting out into organizations. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the other thing that came out of this research was the value of data. And again, I'm just having a look for the results here. What are people doing with data? And one of the um, key things was real-time analytics. And a lot of organizations in that study said they didn't have real-time analytics. And again, we're working with EdCast guys to provide real-time analytics. Because if you can see what's happening in your world of learning, on a daily basis at the push of a button that is really hot off the press, you're able to make those shifts a little bit quicker. And to your point around the micro learning and the cluster learning and bundled learning, whatever you want to do, the data is going to tell you the kind of learning you should be putting out to your organization. When I say the kind of learning, the modal of learning you should be putting out to the organization, that's essentially going to allow you to stay on top of what learning, the, what the learning needs are. But unless people have data, unless you have data and insights, gone are the days where, I don't know about you, but we used to spend six weeks putting together an Excel spreadsheet to present to some exco. And honestly, when they saw the data, it was six weeks old, at, if we were lucky. So a lot of it is around data and analytics. And again, to go back to the L&D space, there's a lot of work that I'm doing, in fact, in some of the telco areas is, What's the story the data is telling you? Because it's telling you a story. How are you reacting to that story? How are you responding to that story? 
absolutely how do you make decisions and that is a key skill mm. if, that hasn't been necessary or needed by L&D practitioners before mm. because we always had this retrospective view we didn't need to we could tell a look back story from that and usually it was to justify that people were we, we were measuring bums on seats which is not really learning so it is about evolving and really upping our own game as practitioners in terms of our ability to analyze data, to tell a story with that data, but most importantly, make in-the-moment decisions based on that data. Yeah, completely. And one of my clients said to me, so he said, so I'm looking in the rearview mirror and I'm looking through the windscreen. I said, that's exactly the analogy. Absolutely. And, that, and again, to go back to your point around hybrid, the data in hybrid was insane in terms of some of the stuff we saw with clients. Micro-learning was being consumed, video was being consumed, and the TikTok type stuff was just being absorbed ad nauseum. And the challenge to the L&D folks was, was it relevant? Could the, did the person learn, learn something with it? Mm. And in learning something, were they able to apply it to A, their job now, B, their job in six months, and C, their career in 12 or 24? Very different conversations. Absolutely. Yeah, it's not just the uptake we should be measuring. And that's always, unfortunately, been an area that L&D has traditionally not been that strong in, is that measurement of learning itself. Yeah. Is it actually affecting enough change within the organisation? And if it's not, why are we investing so much time in these particular things? So we've got to get better at measuring learning as learning, not just uh, for the, not just tracking what activities are taking place in our environments. Yeah. No, absolutely, absolutely. And then one of the elements of the survey, the Learning Health Index, was this concept of learning culture. And learning culture and organisational culture, in my mind, are Siamese twins attached at the hip. Mm. But that we asked people to talk about the perceived value of learning. So how is learning being perceived in your organisation as a grudge purchase or as something that is really enabling the business? And interestingly enough, there are a lot of people saying people in the world of COVID appreciated learning, appreciated having access to digital libraries, having access to a platform that would enable or push content to them. But one of the big gaps in that learning culture piece was rewards and recognition. And so mm. to get back to some of the comments we were talking about earlier, it's not all about the money if you're learning. It's, it's not necessarily all about the, your career. It's about what you're doing, someone is learning something that's doing something for them, if that makes sense. And if you look at this great resignation and the great ex exploration and all of that, that stuff that's trending at the moment in, in organisations, it's I think that we're going to need to rethink as L&D in a strong partnership with the rewards department and organisations, how are we rewarding people differently for the learning that they, the effort they're putting into learning. Things like you talked about balance and flexibility, things like access to mentors and coaches, and things like access to subject matter experts. That mm. kind of stuff for me is going to be seen as, as much more of a reward than possibly an extra 500 rand on a salary. And it's a shift, it's a partnership shift that, that L&D needs to really look at in terms of who we're partnering with mm. in the organisation to really make learning stick absolutely big shift so having said what you've just said from an organizational perspective are organizations recognizing the importance of learning and i think there's it's often two conversations that are here and obviously from our perspective or learning's perspective we see how important this is but i think 
sometimes I get the feeling or sometimes I hear a lot of comments around organizations. We can literally outsource this. Why are we bringing this in-house? Why is this necessary? Do organizations or does the C-suite, do we have a seat at the table? Should we have a seat at the table? Yeah, so look, I think there's a few sort of very short, sharp responses to that. I do believe learning has a seat at the table, often through the HR door. I absolutely, there's no doubt in my mind that anyone in a senior position or an executive position in an organisation recognises that people's ability to learn and learn new skills at the speed of business is critical. The big question here is, do you need an L&D partner in the mix? And I think the risk is potentially that unless the L&D folks are move away from being the typical order takers to the consultants, to the change agent or the change maestro, to someone that's future focused, that can see what's coming downstream and order and engage with business in a way that they're building skills that are future focused, I think that seat at the table is going to diminish. And so... Yeah, are organizations recognizing that learning and skills are key to their survival? Absolutely. Do they sometimes think they need L&D? Possibly questionable. And it's really how L&D shows up. Do we show up as consultants? Do we show up as, P as role models? Are we learning ourselves? Are we doing our, can we show up and show our own data around where we're learning? And then the skills and capability that we have. So short answer to your question, yeah, skills are key and any organization will know that. And I'm working with an organization that have recognized the lack of skills as a massive risk to their group. I'm not sure that they're knocking on the L&D door to say, how do we solve this? They're knocking on the business doors. They're knocking on the vendor doors. Absolutely. And that is key. As, as L&D, we need to reinvent ourselves to say, we are in the know. This is our game. This is how we do this. And I think in our next recording, we'll really look at the skills crisis within L&D itself and what those yeah. core skills are needed uh, by L&D practitioners as we emerge into this new post-COVID hybrid world. <laughs> and it is essentially up to us. We have to go through a rebrand almost. Yeah. Yep, completely. And a lot of the work that I'm doing as well, Karen, at the moment is about repurpose. Re I'm working with a client at the moment that's reimagining. How learning shows up, what learning does, how learning is delivered in the organization. Lots of focus on rebranding. So rebrand your L&D team in a way that people phone you and ask you to come and help them solve their learning problems, firstly. And part of that rebranding, and maybe this is a place to close off, is we L&D sit often in the background doing a lot of the heavy lifting. And I don't think we showcase enough. I don't think there's enough case studies. I don't think there's enough showcase I don't think we showcase enough the impact that learning and development is making in an organization. And that's maybe because it's the nature of the individuals. But we need to, in my mind, learning needs to put on a serious marketing hat and go out there and sell their services. Go out there and sell their services. And essentially, from my perspective, I think learning is core. I think if we get it right, we are we could be the powerhouse of organizations and essentially that is what we should be we should have a strategic view on this we should know what is happening out there in the environment bring it back translate it understand the learning needs and start start getting people ready for these massive change curves that we're on um, and i'm really hoping that in our next session when we discuss this we can really start looking at more practical ways of how lnd can start practicing this every day just by what are those core skills that we're needing to develop and how do we get out there and actually start leading this charge. Linda, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed our time together. Any closing comments before we, we finish off our discussion for the day? 
No, Karen, thanks. Thanks for having me and looking forward to the next session. I've got lots of stories I can tell, good and bad, around capability. So looking forward Fantastic. to it. Looking forward Thank to you. hearing them. Thanks so much. Thank you.